News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Pete at thepetecallendershow.com is the email. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Pete Callender. That's with a K and then an A. L-I-N-E-R. Anyway, um, Democrats' internal polling shows swing voters believe the party went too far on, well, everything. But this is specifically about COVID. Um, the DCCC, this is the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. It's very concerned that Republican attacks on the Democrats' handling of the COVID-19 pandemic have, quote, alarming credibility, end quote. This is according to a slide deck obtained by sfgate.com, which is San Francisco um, media company, newspaper. Is that the Chronicle? I don't even know. sfgate.com. The DCCC, it's the main campaign arm for House Democrats. It's currently chaired by New York Representative Sean Patrick Maloney. It worked with outside consulting groups to conduct an online poll of voters in the 60 most competitive House districts in this upcoming midterm. The poll was conducted from mid-January through early February. It had about 1,000 respondents and a margin of error of plus or minus 3%. So always keep that in mind, the margin of error of plus or minus 3%. Findings from the poll were presented to DCCC officials Thursday morning. One slide in the presentation, which was shared with SFGate by someone who attended the presentation and was granted anonymity in accordance with the uh, Hearst newspaper's ethics policy. One of the slides says, quote, many of the Republican attacks that were tested have alarming credibility. It doesn't uh, define what that means. But the slide shows 57% of voters in competitive congressional districts agree with the following statement. Quote, Democrats in Congress have taken things too far in their pandemic response. 57%. If you just ask the swing voters in these swing districts, it's two-thirds of them say that. White and Hispanic voters in competitive districts were equally as likely to agree. Black voters and Asian voters disagreed with the statement. They're at 42%. Uh, uh, agreement with the statement. So most black and Asian voters disagree with that statement. The poll also did not define what taking things too far means. And this is why I'm a terrible person to ever ask poll questions of, because I would ask that like, well, what does that mean when you say that they've taken things too far? Cause honestly, like Congress, I mean, you're talking about like the spending bills, like, yeah, I would say they went too far, but that's what I would say. Now, some people may say that anyway, I would want to know, but then, of course, they would say, I'm just reading the question and whatever. Some other polls, uh, polling questions here. Um, again, in swing districts. And that this is key, because if it's a safe seat, it's going to be a safe seat, right? But if it's a swing district, these are the places where control of the House will be determined. 64% of voters agree with this following statement. 64%. Quote, Democrats in Congress support defunding the police and taking more cops off the street. Man, I wonder how they got that reputation. (laughs) 64%. The internal poll found 80% of self 
defined swing voters in those competitive districts agree with it. So you can tell there's a pattern emerging where people who are swingy voters in the swingy districts have an even more negative opinion about the Democrats' position on these issues. 62% of voters in these swing districts agreed with the statement, quote, Democrats in Congress have created a border crisis that allows illegal immigrants to enter the country without repercussions and grants them taxpayer-funded benefits once here. 62%. And if you just ask the swingy voters, it's 78% of them that say that's true. This is catastrophic for Democrats. That's why you're seeing the movement away from the mandates and restrictions. And we're going to be back to normal. And President Biden's going to come out with his State of the Union speech. And he's going to be like, you know, everything is fine. All is well. That's he's going to be. He's going to do his Kevin Bacon impression. By the way, one of the other uh, poll questions here. And this is how you know that these numbers are real. These were numbers done by the DCCC. This isn't the Republicans that put this polling out there. This is what Democrats asked. Democrats need to know how toxic is our brand. And the answer is quite, quite toxic indeed. The top two concerns of voters in competitive districts, you know what the number one concern is? Inflation. Good luck solving that one in the next, uh, what, six months, Democrats. The other, health care, which is why you're going to see a lot of focus on Medicaid expansion, because that's what Democrats think. When they think health care, they think Medicaid expansion. What else? Um, here's a question. Democrats in Congress are spending money out of control. 61% of swing district voters agree. They also agree Democrats are teaching kids as young as five years old critical race theory, which teaches that America is a racist country and white people are racist. 61% agree with that. 59% agree with the statement, quote, Democrats are too focused on pursuing an agenda that divides us and judging those who don't see things their way. 59% agree with that, too. Congratulations to Robert. He won a pair of the tickets to the home and remodeling show. It's on uh, what, the 25th through the 27th, charlottehomeandremodelingshow.com. It's at the Park Expo and Conference Center. Um, I am actually not going to be able to get there uh, because I will be in Raleigh. As I'm a, one of the panelists uh, as part of the... Uh, Carolina Liberty Convention, I think, is what John Locke Foundation is. uh, They're putting on this big event, and uh, they got a bunch of different panel discussions, and uh, they invited me to partake in one. And so I guess I should figure out what I'm going to (laughs) say. But, no, I'll be joining them on Saturday, uh, but it it runs Friday through uh, Saturday, and then I think uh, Saturday afternoon they're doing the Senate debate. Uh, McCrory, uh, Eastman, and Walker are all on board to participate, but the uh, uh, but Ted Budd is not, as far as I know. That was the last I saw. And then uh, Friday night, the keynote speaker is um, Seth Dillon, the head of the Babylon Bee. So we'll see if I can get there in time to catch that. If not, you know, 
I'll catch it. I'm sure somebody will have a video of it. I could watch it later. Um, all right. So a couple of tweets here uh, from app Patriot girl says, Pete, I'm betting on martial law before midterms regarding the truck convoy headed to DC. Biden met with Trudeau just before he declared ML in Canada. And uh, here's another tweet. The trucker convoy said they were not going to the DC proper because of January 6th. So they're going to be just outside of DC. Oh, Ryan, good luck with that. <laughs> Ryan's, that's his stomping ground up there. Ryan is, am I allowed to say this? Yes, you can say it. I mean, it's too late now because I kind of already just kind of did start to say it. But I mean, I totally could not say it if you would prefer I not say it. You could say it if you want. All right, Ryan, Ryan's leaving me. He quit on me. He said he hates me. He never wants to work with me again. And so he's out. No, he's do- he's taking a great opportunity. He's going back up home, which is Baltimore. I'm actually going to be dealing with that that uh, DC Beltway on Friday on Friday and Saturday. <laughs> that sucks. That's terrible. I remember the time. I think I told you this. My wife and I went up there to go see a childhood friend of her late father. So her dad's name was Tom, and Tom's best friend was a guy named Red. And he's living up there, and another one of his friends are up there. So we're like, let's go up and see these guys. Because they're, you know, in their 80s, so like, right. let's go see them. So we drove up, and uh, uh, we visited with them, and uh, we stayed overnight at a hotel. And then the next morning, we're like, let's get up early and head out. And we got up and left at like 3.30. We got up at like 3.30 in the morning or something, because we had to get back, I forget for what reason. So we, we get back, or we, we get in the car. It's like 4 in the morning. And I want to say it was like a, it was a weekday, like a Friday maybe. And it was rush hour packed, like four in the morning, like standstill traffic for miles. That's why I moved down here. And that's what like, that's that's crazy. That's the one thing I'm like, I'm really cringing about moving back is just, I like, I used to work in DC at XM and and it would take me from, I lived outside Baltimore and there'd be days where it would take two and a half hours to get in, and then it would take two and a half hours out. That's nuts. That's that is nuts. I don't know why you would trade that much of your life for that. Seriously, like <laughs> yeah. five hours a day in a car. Yeah. And I like to drive. I don't mind a commute generally, but when you look at the trade-off on that, do the math, man. Not I mean, that I'm trying to convince you to stay. Yeah, I mean the take the opportunity. The, uh, the the I think the the trip back's like seven eight hours give or take depending upon which way you take and that's not what I'm really worried about like because at least you're moving most of the time but once you hit Richmond like the it's just a complete standstill like mm-hmm. I don't even know where there's any room for the the truckers to be on 495 like it's already, <laughs> there's already protests on 495 with yeah all the traffic no it's nuts really makes you think hey maybe we shouldn't have built the whole capital like right there like maybe. Again, it's go, this goes to a point I raise in many different ways, but all kind of related topics. But, like, if you were to design government now, you would design it way differently than we have it. Just like most things. Like, if you were to build computers and coding, if you were to do that now, you would build them differently, right? Right. And, like, don't you think it makes more sense to have the capital of America, like, right in the middle of the country? Yeah. So it's equidistant from the farthest points rather than on the East Coast where 
everybody from uh, everywhere else in the country has to travel. It also it certainly wasn't a good spot either during the Civil War when your capital was literally right <laughs> right across the river. Yeah, that's not a good idea. I mean, now to be fair, they didn't weren't expecting that whole thing to happen like it did. I guess, but no, though they did. They they knew they were going to be having a war. Well, maybe not. They knew they had to settle slavery, and they knew it was probably going to get violent. So yeah, maybe. But swampland, it was cheap. So I understand. Like that's that's what happens when you you know not build anymore. the capital. It's, it's not, on the, it's not no, cheap anymore. <laughs> not anymore. No, but that's that's the classic government lowest bid right there. That's the classic government model. Um, the trucker convoy is also going to hit each state capital. Hello, Raleigh. Uh, yes, Ryan must really, really hate Pete if he's going to go deal with DC traffic. Yeah, I mean that's it is a that is a it's a measurement of the depths of the animus. Uh, heard the police are going to be waiting for them in DC. Maybe other cities might be wise to alter their route. Yeah, I don't know. We shall see. Um, Ottawa police attempted to clear out the remaining Freedom Convoy demonstrators yesterday ending a 24-day occupation of the city center to protest COVID-19 vaccine mandates at least two people arrested as police moved into the logistics camp and removed the last vehicles occupying the area Uh, the convoy of trucks had caused traffic backups in the city for weeks a total of 191 protesters got arrested 57 vehicles towed since police began forcefully removing them on friday Demonstrators had organized a blockade for 24 days in protest of the Canadian government's COVID-19 vaccine mandate, as well as border policies. Just got a press release here. Who is this from? The city? From Pineville. Brett James Cato of Lancaster is now in police custody in Cabarrus County. Mr. Cato was the driver of the stolen construction equipment that Pineville police attempted to stop earlier this morning. It was a dump truck. I mean, did you not see that? Did you not see the end to this one coming? Mr. Cato, you're trying to flee police who, as far as I recall, have radios in their cars, also not driving dump trucks while they pursue you. He was arrested without incident and will be facing a criminal charge or several. Felony fleeing to elude, felony possession of a stolen vehicle, resisting, obstructing, and delaying misdemeanor. Um, a stolen construction vehicle driving around Pineville. Uh, unknown male driving it this morning. Police units pursued. Uh, yeah, there you go. Like Seriously, like, did you not see that one coming? I'm going to go out on a limb. I have no idea. I'm going to go out on a limb, though. What do you think? Drugs and or alcohol involved? What do you think? What do you think? I know it's a little early. It was like 8 a.m. All right. Um, Demonstrators in Canada organized a blockade for 24 days to protest the country's COVID-19 vaccine mandate and border policies. Saturday, Canadian cops, eh? used pepper spray and stun grenades to remove those who remained, clearing out most of the area in front of Parliament and next to the Prime Minister's office. Man, Trudeau has turned out to be a little tyrant, hasn't he? 
Ottawa police said in a tweet, quote, we told you to leave. We gave you time to leave. We were slow and methodical, yet you were assaultive and aggressive with officers and the horses. You were assaultive with the horses. Most of those arrested were slapped with mischief charges. Mischief. Um, Some 200 people were arrested. 57 vehicles towed through the weekend. Officers used batons and chemical irritant against protesters who they described as aggressive and assaultive. Uh, They accused uh, the protesters of using children to shield themselves from police. It's amazing how these elements of the story get told with this protest group versus the protesters of 2020, who also would show up with kids and would engage in behaviors that would, you know, elicit violence and then claim victimhood. This investigation will go on for months to come. Interim Ottawa Police Chief Steve Bell said, quote, if you were involved in this protest, we will actively look to identify you and follow up with financial sanctions and criminal charges. Financial sanctions? So now, so now you're going to sanction people. You're going to seize their financial assets, which they've already started doing without, as uh, caller Frank indicated earlier, without any kind of due process under these emergency powers that the tyrant Trudeau has adopted for himself. Where are all the anti-fascist people, by the way? This seems kind of fascisty. It does, just a, just a wee bit. The Ambassador Bridge in Windsor, Ontario, remained closed yesterday, but U.S. and Canadian authorities remained hopeful it would soon reopen. The protesters uh, choked the key passageway between the U.S. and Canada and halted production at auto plants on both sides of the border. The protests inspired similar movements around the world, including New Zealand, where that woman's a little tyrant as well, where authorities blasted out Barry Manilow songs. Oh, my gosh. They've adopted the John Hancock standard. John Hancock used to do that. I mean, not for protesters. But he would, if he was, yeah, like John would ask for calls for something or ask people's opinion or whatever, and he would threaten them with Barry Manilow music if they did not participate. (laughs) So, just those opening bars. Boom, boom, boom. Anyway. um, Blasted out Barry Manilow songs and other tunes in an attempt to get the crowds to leave. Among the songs being played on a 15-minute loop was Los Del Rios... 1990s pop hit, Macarena. But then I saw some of those protesters, they were dancing in the streets. So I'm not sure the Macarena was the, although this was New Zealand. Maybe they have a, maybe they hate Macarena in New Zealand. It's possible. In Canada, a judge ordered an end to the blockade of the vehicles. Ontario Premier Doug Ford also declared a state of emergency, allowing for fines of 100,000 Canadian dollars. And up to a year in jail for anybody illegally blocking roads, bridges, walkways, and other critical infrastructure. Then, of course, there was the hack of the, what was it, Give, Send, Go app, where they were raising money after uh, GoFundMe stole their money, basically. GoFundMe locked down all of their, uh, uh, the fundraising campaign and appeared at first, at least at first, to have just, like, diverted the money to themselves, uh, outrage ensued. And then 
the crowdfunding platform GiveSendGo said, well, we got you covered. We can raise the money for you. And then somebody hacked them, the left-wing activists, hacked the website, got the people's names and uh, personal information and published it. And then you got reporters as part of the blue stack. Reporters then start calling people. And uh, one reporter from the Salt Lake Tribune went on to Twitter to cry about how uh, some of the uh, replies that he has gotten on Twitter have been kind of aggressive, he said. Aggressive, to put it mildly. Dude, you're calling some woman who gave $40 to the convoy truckers. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doxing this old lady? She gave 40 bucks to some truckers, part of a protest movement. My God, like, like you're the problem, Brian Shot from the Salt Lake Tribune. So you can tell Ryan is a short timer because he's just mailing it in with fine young cannibals here when the obvious play was for Barry Mantle. See? That's going to sell. That's going to eat at him for I, days. I had I had an idea to play that, and I, and I got distracted the break. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Saturday, April 9th at 7.30, Halton Theater at CPCC. Join all of us here at WBT and the largest group of WBT alumni ever gathered together for one event including H.A. Thompson and John Hancock and James K. Flynn and Jim Barrell and, uh, well, like the largest group of alumni. And uh, John Stokes, Jim Zoki, and Bob Lacey are all getting inducted into the WBT Hall of Fame. It's the 100th anniversary celebration, Saturday, April 9th. Go to WBT.com and you can get tickets and all of the event details there. Uh, Just saw this come down on The Wire the transom, the Wake County Board of Commissioners must immediately redraw their county commission districts in a way that helps Republicans win election to the all-Democrat board. Interesting. The change is required by a state Supreme Court's recent ruling that partisan gerrymanders at the legislative and congressional levels are unconstitutional. This is the argument being made by the attorney, former House Majority Leader Skip Stam. He's uh, uh, an attorney out of Apex. And he sent this letter over to the county commissioners. And he's applying a consistent standard to the Wake County Board of Commissioners. Quote, there is no reason that the entirely new constitutional interpretation would not immediately apply to units of local government as well. And he is exactly right. I said when the when the North Carolina Supreme Court, the four Democrats, when they issued their ruling and they ordered the maps to be redrawn and to balance it out under some sort of proportionality, don't call it proportionality, standard, that that would obviously have implications for every other elected body in the rest of the state. And so somebody needs to be suing the Charlotte City Council. Somebody needs to be suing the Mecklenburg County Board of Commissioners, the Charlotte Mecklenburg School Board. There needs to be a proportional representative model that Republicans enjoy at the local level too. 
There are no Republican county commissioners. So we need to draw districts, redraw them. So as to ensure that there are a certain number of seats that Republicans can win. That's proportionate to their uh, vote totals from previous elections going back. What? Uh, I don't know. Ten years. Is that fair? Countywide, 10 years, we'll go back all countywide races and uh, we'll take a proportionate uh, model off of that. Or we can go by voter registration numbers or something like that. That's fine. Or go by the presidential or statewide, whatever. I'm flexible. I'm flexible on this stuff. There's Hancock. He's walking right past the studio. Um, he's going to be at the event on uh, April 9th. So, I, yeah, the, people need to start suing. Republicans need to start suing all of these local bodies so they can get equal representation, just like the Democrats did at the state and uh, federal level. The demand represents a possible next step, reports Travis Fain, W-R-A-L. It's a possible next step. That's reporter language, by the way. That's what reporters do when they want to uh, uh, inject their ideas into a story. Usually they'll have like, some say, or... What could be blah, blah, blah. The demand represents a possible next step. It's also possible that uh, we could all be pooping gold. It could happen. Right? And then we would all be rich. Actually not, because then we would have a lot of it, and then it would be valueless. But the demand represents a possible next step in the state's battle over redistricting. Republicans pushing urban counties to draw districts more likely to elect Republicans. Democrats may make a similar push in more rural counties. Good luck with that. That's what they've been doing, and it hasn't really been working because there just aren't enough voters willing to vote Democrat anymore in the rural areas because, as I mentioned earlier in the program, culture matters. Skip Stam, the attorney, said in an email to WRAL News that he's not sure whether the argument could also apply to nonpartisan elected bodies like school boards, but we should give it a shot. I added that last part. Stam also said somebody in Forsyth County has already asked for a copy of his letter, and so he expects the debate to play out in other counties. So that's cool. He already wrote the letter. He already did the work for you. All you need to do is just contact his law office, get a copy of the letter, and then like just scribble out, you know, wake right in Mecklenburg County and then just send it over to Mecklenburg County. The chairman of the Wake County Board of Commissioners, Sig Hutchinson, did not immediately return a call seeking comment. Neither did a spokesman for the North Carolina Association of County Commissioners. Um, Under the current system, Wake County has seven commissioners. They all file to run from the district where they live, but they are all elected countywide. This is from from the party that is constantly screeching about uh, suppression. Like this is that you could not rig a system better than that in order to create a uniparty control of a county. That's how you do it. Um, do they have do they have the staggered districts too? That would really that would be the icing on the cake. Is if you ran like half of the board every four years, so you could never. You could never get a slate of all seven at once because then you might actually end up with some people that get in, you know, in the sixth or seventh slot. The top votainers, eh? Hmm? 
votainer, not vote getter. Votainer. Use the word. Let's make it part of our lexicon. And then you can say you helped create a word in the English language. Like yeet. Right? This is votainer. This one actually serves the purpose. Under this entirely new proportionality analysis, Republicans should have occupied about six legislative seats in Wake County, said Stam. So is that what the court envisions? Let's test the theory, everybody. I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to Brett Winterbull. He's coming up next on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. That's a wrap for me. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.